Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's nice when it, it's a mix of the layup and the, and the fadeaway. You have three. me stressing today on some of it. Bit, uh, I mean, I'm not bit. that smart. Like I said, I'm from Jersey. I'm I can't blonde, believe you get to play football. One. It's a bad combination. Oh, yeah, baby. Speaking of football, we had a day yesterday. It's Monday. What's up, dude? Paul Burmeister, Chris Sims. You doing good looking? I mean, Polly. You where know are you, what? Where are you shopping at? Where are you getting all these cool hoodies from? I'm going to have to start. So. My, my asking you stats guy from right. Notre Dame games yeah. is high up at Jockey, and yeah. once a year he sends us a hundred dollars off right. at Jockey. So this is this is a Jockey underwear original. Okay, you're cool. Yeah. I mean, for an old dad, you really are pretty cool. I can't lie. So I, I, I got to say, when I have the hood on, <laughs> don't take that from me. I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> I just glossed right past it. You did. When I do have the hoodie, I'm driving in to hang out with you. I'm like, gosh, I wonder if Chris is gonna have. The same color hoodie. I should not wear the hoodie on this show. Who cares? Just in case. So Who cares? It'll Don't happen worry. sometime. Simpatico. It's, it's a okay. Promise. Yeah, it's okay. Not not. I, I like it. You got a good look, man. New new shoes on sale. The Tour de France. On, oh, is that what they are? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like over here, you know, as as bigger guys, right? The massive sales never work for us. It's like a, you know, like men small. It's you useless. get whatever you want, seventy five percent off. Right. In France, it's opposite. So oh. they had a bunch of size 12 shoes that they couldn't give nobody, away. Nobody can fit so size 12, like, 13, 14 shoes there. I'll yeah. take those. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. Sales do not work for me either. You're right. It go there, and I'm always like, you got any size 14 sneakers? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> and okay. never will. You got, like, extra large, large T-shirt, like, with extra length or long, you know, I like those long, slim fits, whatever it is. Got to, yeah. yeah. We're off to a good start here. Yeah, good start. Good start. All right, so what's up? What do you want to do? Where do you want to hit it first? A lot of games. A lot of games. We'll hit them all. I think you know where we have to start in spite of the fact that S.S. Davidson says, please spare me tomorrow and do not deep dive the Packers game. Sorry there, buddy. We got to. You knew, though, that they got to, mister, that the Packers weren't going to score 38 points every single game. No, Aaron Rodgers wasn't going to go the whole season without throwing a pick. Right. And I know that what the fuck happens on Wednesday. Yeah. But that's like where my mind goes here. The best place to start. Right. 38 to 10 yeah. was 10 to nothing. Yeah. What happened? Well, I mean, 38 to 10, you know, is that a hair misleading? Okay, maybe, but I don't think it's like terribly misleading. I think it was, you know, all in all, a pretty good butt whooping by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I really do. Now, the game is 10 nothing. We understand that, right? And let's just hit, I'll hit on the Green Bay offense versus the Bucks defense right off the bat. You know, 10 nothing. It looked like it's all smooth, smooth sailing. Wow, the Bucks got it going. But this is one of the reasons you got to watch the film sometimes because it does tell you a little more truth than TV. Watching on TV, I just went, ooh, Green Bay's having their way in these first two drives. They're doing whatever they want. But when you watch the film a little bit, you start to realize 
it, it wasn't necessarily schematical surgery, surgery there. It was more, if you listen to like Bruce Arians and what he said in the postgame press conference, you know, Rodgers got out of the pocket a few times in those first two drives and just did Rodgers shit. Right. It wasn't like the play delivered. It wasn't like he dropped back and it was, oh, in rhythm, oh, one's not open. Oh, there's two wide open, let me throw it. Or one's wide open, let me hit it. No. So there was, I think, even on film when I watched and they were up 10 nothing. I went, ooh, it's a little concerning because it wasn't as easy as it looked on TV. It was him making some plays and you went, not a lot of people open downfield. And I didn't love the way it looked up front right off the bat. You just went, whoa, these big suckers on Tampa look like they could have the advantage. And then, of course, as the game played out, we saw more and more. So as, as you're kind of pointing out, right. the Packers, first two drives, scoring drives, yeah. field goal and a touchdown. Every drive from that point on either Ooh. ended with an interception for mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers or a punt or maybe end, end of the half, just time ran out. So I think you put a, a good description on that first quarter. They were getting it done, but it wasn't easy. Yeah. What changed there when it comes to Packers offense against Buccaneers defense quarter two? Yeah, well, I think one, hey, Rodgers makes a mistake. There's, there's no doubt about that, especially that first interception. And, you know, who knows how the game unfolds if he doesn't do that. Or, you know, I'll say this. In my heart of hearts, even if he doesn't throw that pick six, I still think Tampa's going to come back and win the game. Tampa, to me, was the better team on the field yesterday. There's no doubt Both about sides, it. Yeah. yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident in saying I think – you know, three or four weeks from now, we're going to have no problem saying Tampa's better than Green Bay altogether. I think they have the potential to be a more complete team. But, you know, Green Bay, Rodgers, you know, usually when they get in those 10-point leads, this is where they're tough. This is really where they're at their best because now it's everything's available. We can run, the play-action pass, the drop-back pass. What do you defend? Me throwing a 20-yard I'm, – I'm me as an Aaron Rodgers. Me yeah. throwing a 20-yard throw is a high-percentage five-yard throw for everybody else in football. Mm-hmm. So that makes them really dangerous. They are a play-in-front football team. That's how they're built. That's when they're at their best. And, yeah, he makes that mistake. And not only, a, you know, yeah, kind of a mental mistake. You saw the interception. The what guy, kind of mistake do you label it well, as? Well, it's like it was a little bit like – double whammy where one I don't know if the pre-snap read would have to me as a quarterback I wouldn't have gone like oh I want to go there I know it's Devontae Adams against a guy Demps who's a young young uh DB Jamel Dean Dean sorry Demps sorry Jamel Dean who's a little young really talented but has let up some big plays Mm -hmm. here and there but he's outside leverage Devontae Adams is not a burner and Jamel Dean is a burner so he wasn't worried about, like, oh, if Devontae Adams is going to step on me, I won't catch him. So he was very flat-footed reading Rodgers. You know, Rodgers, of course, with his great arm and accuracy at times, just thinks he can just zoom it in there. Right. But at the same time, I didn't feel like he, like, he kind of didn't throw one of his rockets. He didn't really step on it. He did not step on it. And no matter who it. you are on that route, yes. with the corner tight to you, you do have to step on Agreed. it. Agreed. So that was, that was the odd part to me. A little of the pre-snap, but I said, oh, if Rodgers just throws one of his normal rockets, I think he's still going to get it in here. Right. But I'm glad you saw it the same way I did. It was like a, it was a 90 percenter. Right. He just didn't let it fly. Right. And I think he even said it, it hit the wind a little bit, and I wanted to be like, well, fuck, Aaron, then that's why you throw the 100-mile-per-hour fastball. Right. You don't even mess around with it on a day yeah. like that. And as your dad says, let him know who's boss. Let him know who's boss. With right. that fastball. Right. And one right. other thing that one other right. thought I had when I was watching that, yeah. I went back to our conversation we had right here last week about you say quarterback wants you want that defense to play man to man because it makes it easier. Yeah. Jamel Dean was in zone. Right. And because he was in zone, that allowed him to watch Aaron. Definitely. You notice, of course, when they're playing man, 
they're watching the receiver. As soon as the ball snapped, eyes on the receiver, they don't really see the ball. Right. So he was watching Aaron the whole time, and by being in zone, he was allowed to know the right time to jump. Definitely. That's if he it. was in man, he never would have made that play. Agreed. Agreed. There's no, there's no way. You're right. His ability to be in that perfect spot to where he could see Devontae Adams with his right eye and see Rodgers through that with his left eye, basically. Right. And you get a good feel for when you could see, oh, wait, he's hit that back step of his drop. Oh, wait, he's really staring over here at me strong. Oh, wait, he's winding up. He's coming here. And that gave him the good jump. And, you know, really, that changed the game, as you know. Yeah. Now, the next drive, hey, another interception. Devontae Adams, quick inside slant. Tight man-to-man coverage. Carlton Davis, really nice job. In corner. Really yeah, nice job. I'm not sure JPP didn't also get a hand on it before it got there. Mm. It was really close. I couldn't tell on film. Um, JPP jumps out a lot on film. His stats don't always say that, but he affects a lot of plays, whether it's scrambling boots. He makes you get it out of your hands quick. You know, puts hands in passing lanes to where, not on the stats, but Rodgers wants to throw it, and then he pumps fake it because he goes, oh, that's going to get swatted. i got, I got to find another way to throw it. So, Really good from that standpoint. But that interception then returned down to the two. You know, that was almost night-night right there. Right. Almost. Almost. it was 14 to 10. And those two picks and those two touchdowns, it happened in a flurry. It was like all of a sudden. But 14 to 10, it's, it's still a game. Yes. With Aaron Rodgers playing. Right. And I've got all these notes on the, on the next sequence, really on, on really a two-play sequence. Yeah. It started on second down. Yeah. And it's, in a way, it's a compliment to Aaron that this is such a big deal. But he had a wide-open seam route. Remember that? Yes. I think it was Lewis. Lew- uh, yeah, it was. Mercedes Lewis. Nobody within five yards. Nobody. Backside or front side. Caught him in a zone blitz. Yeah. And they avoided had an him. area. And had, him. had him. It's normally just a handoff right. for Aaron. He double-clutched. And never really got into his motion, but yet the receiver was wide open. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't speed on the way here, but this is the one question I couldn't wait to ask you. Yeah. What did you see there? And why do you think he did that fake and never really got into his normal (sighs) I I think he was a little jumpy. I do. I think even those those first few drives, he realized, like, whoa, they're around me. They're fast. They're physical. You know, our guys aren't getting open downfield. So it was the rush. He just thrown two interceptions, yeah, and he's yeah. a little gun shy. I don't yeah. give a shit who you are. You're Aaron Rodgers or not. I don't give a damn who you are. You throw a pick six, and then another one that gets returned to the two. You see somebody wide open. You might go like, wait, did I really see him wide open? Or let me look one more time just to make sure. You know, I, I don't know. But you're right. Those are usually slam dunks. Yeah. You know, and even the play before. Yeah. There's Aaron Jones on the left sideline. Right? Yes. Where he's going up on a little wheel route. They fake the right. speed sweep. He runs up the left sideline. Jones should have caught it. He bobbles it and falls out of bound. But like the first interception that was the pick six, I want to go, where's the fastball? Throw it in there. Don't let your DB, I mean, your running back hang on the sideline waiting for the ball. You know, just drive it into the spot and give him no choice. It's like you're going to look stupid. It's going to bounce off your chest. Yeah. You're going to catch that damn thing. Right. Um, so that, I think, to your point, was the chance I saw in the game and the last chance where I went, Green Bay had a chance to kind of swing the momentum back their way because mm-hmm. it was clearly in Tampa's favor at that point. Right. They didn't capitalize on that, and that was game. I mean, that was really game. It was. Yes. And that, that next play, Chris, it was – so it's third down and ten because he missed that seam route. Yes. And Tampa Bay shows seven at the line of scrimmage. And as we discussed here, there's no way to know who's coming and who's not. Yep. They only brought five. Green Bay protected with seven. Right. And with the five, because of the confusion, they got to him. They got to him. And, you know, 
Tampa's one of the few teams where you won't hear me complain a whole lot about five-man rushes. And I had that written down a couple I times. I know. They're one rush, of the few yeah. teams because they can – They got. I understand it every now and then. I do because they got some super freaks, and they just want to make sure they get one-on-one -on -one and they think they're going to get there in time. And then Bowles is pretty creative on the back end. But I'll say this. That first two drives, mm -hmm. Tampa tried to blitz and play man-to-man. -man. And he hit those shallow crosses and scrambled right. and hit a cross. Those were man-to-man -man plays. And I think Tampa after that said, wait, wait, screw all that. Let's keep the extra guy in the middle for the most part. They had a blitz here and there. But they really played zone coverages, a lot of blitz zone change, right? We've talked about that before. It's two guys drop, but two guys came. Yes. It still ends up being a four-man rush, but there's still seven guys in coverage. Mm -hmm. But the illusion of complexity sometimes gets the offensive lineman off their mark. Oh, wait, this guy dropped, and now I, I, I committed to him. Wait, somebody else is coming over here. You don't get the full block of the guy. Either way... I don't like the way the game looked for Green Bay on the offensive side of the ball. We talk about Green Bay having to play with a lead and do all those things, you know, but, you know, ultimately this is a tough matchup for them, you know, full as a team or just even their offense itself because that front seven can stop Aaron Jones in the run game. How about those linebackers? That, well, and then Aaron Jones – his speed factor gets negated against a team like that because yeah. you're right. Those linebackers will run him down. Levante, They're just David. as fast as he is. Yeah. And that's where, you know, I think they took him out of the game some moments during the game because I think they went like, whoa, this ain't an Aaron Jones game. We might need to get a guy a little big, bigger in physical tough yards because there wasn't creases to run in. Right. You're going to have to run into the wall a few times and just push the pile forward for a few yards, and that's not Aaron Jones' game, let alone between the creative blitzes and then their ability to play creative zones and then match up and play man-to-man -man a handful of times and do that, right? Tampa's special that way. Yeah. I mean, that is where I get into the conversation with Tampa sometimes, and I sit there and I think they're the most complete team in the NFC. And you, and you tweeted that out. Yeah. I want to read this. Yeah. Their record is less perfect than other teams, but right now the Buccaneers look like the most complete team in the NFC. Where is their weakness? And you asked that question. Yeah. Some people threw out some funny ones. Uh, Martin Falk said penalties and Donovan Smith. Yeah, Someone said Brady, which is ridiculous. <laughs> of course, federally mandated. Somebody says quarterback not knowing what down it is. <laughs> yeah, right. That so was, all the funny jokes came out. All the things you would expect. Yeah. But, uh, answer your own question. Where is their weakness? Well, I think the penalties thing would be the one. That, that was the best comment, and that's the most real one. Now, they didn't have it yesterday. But Bruce Arians traditionally has had a little issue with that. I mean, Bruce, he's a little aggressive and, right. you know, flies by the seat of his pants and does all that stuff. So that's always kind of led to his team to being a more penalized football team. That, to me, is their biggest weakness so far. Now, they're not a finished product. I'm not saying they're exactly the best team right this second in the NFC. But just from what I see potentially and where they're headed right now, they can run the ball, they can play D, and they can play D against any kind of offense. I mean, it doesn't matter. Oh, Is that because of their front or, or, or because of Levante David and it's a I Devin think White. the front gives them the first advantage, and then those guys add to – I mean, they, they, they can do it at anything. It doesn't right. matter. But their front allows them to go, wait, we got to play Derrick Henry and the Titans and stop a smash mouth game? Oh, no problem. We can do that. And then, oh, we got to play – Patrick Mahomes and maybe just rush three and four and be fast all over the field. Well, we can do that too. Mm -hmm. That to me is where they're very versatile on that side of the ball. And they had their way against a really good Green Bay pass blocking offensive line. You know, with creative ways to kind of 
oh, I might be blitzing, but I'm not, and all those things. And they got after Rodgers, the official number, 44% blitz. Yeah. And in the games leading up to that, Green Bay was used to about half that number. Yeah, they got to Rodgers. And whether it was blitz or not, they did a really good job of collapsing the pocket. That was the big thing. Yes. And as the game went on after those first two drives, you never saw Rodgers outside the pocket making magic happen. They were very aware of it. And because of Barrett and JPP on the edge – when a guy like Rodgers does get out on the edge, you just don't have the normal time because those guys can run you down. Mm-hmm. They're, they're special that way. Um, and there were also a couple of times. Yeah. And back up to that play I talked about where they showed seven, brought five. Yeah. And Green Bay protected with seven but still couldn't protect Rodgers. So that meant that the Packers only released three into the route. The Bucks had six back there. Yeah, there's nothing you're So they do. were confused up front and, yes. and three against six in the back end. I think he was confused a lot during the day. The offensive line seemed confused. And I think that's the biggest thing. I think the offensive line led to the overall Rodgers, wait, I'm going to peek out of the corner of my eye because people keep getting free. Wait, is he coming free? Do I need to leave the pocket? And then Todd Bowles, you know, creative, good game plan. He certainly had a beat on what they wanted to do offensively that way. Um, And, you know, like, like we always talk about with some of the good defenses too, you know, Tampa was very good at, holding disguises, yes, they did. not letting Aaron Rodgers see it after the dummy snap count and then change the play. They really stayed disciplined to, no, we're playing cover two, we're playing cover two, set, hot, 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 oh, it's a dummy snap count, we're still playing cover two, we're still playing cover two, blue 85, blue 85, set, oh, it's cover three. Mm-hmm. You know, they were great at that, which if you're a quarterback and you're under duress, you're looking at the rush – you know, you set hut, you look at the safeties, then you take a peek at the rush, and then you look back up and the safeties are in a different spot. I don't yeah. care, again, who you are, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, you're going to struggle in those, those type it, of settings. It wasn't, all, it, was, it wasn't just the pre-snap confusion when they line up 6-7 on the ball, you don't yeah. know who's coming. Right. For about two counts after the snap, a couple guys would take steps toward the line of scrimmage full speed and then back up. That's what I mean. That's yeah. what I mean. Just to hold the presence of maybe the guard, right? So the guard's not sure, wait, is Levante David blitzing at me right. or not? So then he stays there. But it either creates a one-on-one or they're doing some, you know, tackle, defensive tackle end game to now where this guy can't help out on passing it off and being part of the five-man unit of pass mm-hmm. protecting. It's, it's smart football that way. Um, but really, I think the last thing I'll say here, because I think we've kind of hit all the points as far as this side of the ball is concerned. Right. As the game went on and after they realized, okay, let's not let them – Let's not get caught in man too much and let them hit a shallow cross or him buy time and then hit another shallow cross because I think he hit three shallow crosses in the first two drives. The, the Bucks though, just played with no fear. They played with no fear. Like, whether they did have to get asked to play man-to-man, they were like, so what? We're in your face playing man-to-man. Oh, we're playing zone on the pick six? We're not backing up. We're right here. We don't really think you can run by us. We don't think you're going to be able to pass protect enough long enough to throw it by us. So they really challenged Green Bay that way. And like I said, I don't, I don't think this is a good matchup for Green Bay. I really don't. So let's get to the other side. Yeah. And let's start with Tom Brady. And we got to start out here. Gio Dello says, Chris, I noticed you gave Tom Brady no credit for tonight's win against the Packers, on, uh, Packers against FNI. How, yeah. about, how about this? Yeah. For the win against the Packers on FNIA. There's still time, Chris. Let the hate go. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I give them more than anybody around, so I, I don't hate. I don't. 
The story of the game yesterday was the Bucks defense and the plays they made. Mm-hmm. I only have a certain amount of time to talk on Football Night in America. <laughs> but you have so, time now. So I have time now. Yep. And it's still not about Brady. Yeah. He played good, but it's still not about Brady. He did really good things, mm-hmm. uh, no doubt about that. But, hey, it's 324 yards of total offense. Right. I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, Brady, Brady, Brady. But he capitalized. Yeah. There's no doubt. And he made no mistakes, unlike Aaron Rodgers. And – I really think for the first time in my life, I saw Bruce Arians like manage a football game. That's what jumped out to me. Instead of the overaggressive. Instead of like, we're going to just, hey, Tommy boy, get back there. We're going to throw it down the field. I want 50-yard completions. I don't give a damn they got Preston Smith and this great pass rush. We're, this is what we do. You know, I think he's known enough. Hey, Brady is 43. We've seen him make a few mistakes this year, right? Mm-hmm. Why do that to him? especially if you believe you're the better football team. And Green Bay is at a handicap because Green Bay does not have a great D-line as far as the run game is concerned. And they were worried about being overpowered by this Tampa O-line. I mean, they got to play the bear front like on first and second down every other drive all the time because they're always protecting their defensive tackles and doing those type of things. But ultimately, really, I think – you know, they, they took it slow on the offensive side of the ball. Like, they didn't, like, try to force anything. Like you say, 10-7, hey, you know, how about that? You go three and out, mm-hmm. you go six and out, and then the next time you get the ball, it's first and goal at the two-yard right. line, and it's 10-7. And Long now you're point, up 14. Now you're up 14-10. Yeah. Right. And you haven't really even gotten a rhythm or done anything. So that's pretty awesome. And then they put the good drive together. And I think the one thing that jumped to me more, like I said, the managing the game, I don't think they were going to let Green Bay's pass rush win the game for them. You know, strip sack fumble, him get pressure and throw a ball because he feels the pressure like we've seen him do a few times this year. He did a really good job of, of stepping up. And I don't he know did. how much of it was him Always or offensive does. line, you know, winning in the right areas. But yeah. he was able to be that Tom Brady where he steps up, and after he steps up, he kind of regathers himself and finds somebody open. Well, especially like the red zone touchdown to Gronkowski the one time. I think yep. to go up 21-10. You know, there's the one just man before rush. that as well. Yeah, maybe maybe I'm thinking of the wrong one. I think you're right. It's the first one I'm thinking of. Um, uh, oh, no, you're point. thinking about the one he hits Johnson on the left Correct. end zone. That's the one. You're right. That's it. That was – that was a third down throw. They rush three. Mm-hmm. He does a great job of always making a mental note to go, it's only three. Don't panic and make some quick throw, and you don't have to. And then he steps up and manipulates the pocket, and then he always lives by the rules. High in the back, low in the front. And he's the master of that. Right. If it's in the back of the end zone, he's going to throw it high because if the ball bounces off his hands, it goes out of bounds. If it's in low, he's going to throw it at the guy's knees because usually the ball will just go into the ground if the guy drops it or does that. But – Really, the one of the things I wrote down here is, you know, uh, Packers playing coverage, three or four man rushes, doing all that. They're playing the bare front because they're worried about the run game. But I just wrote, you know, 21-10, good drive. And I wrote, they played it conservative. Short passes, wide receiver screens, ugly three and four yard runs. Mm-hmm. Like they were totally content and doing, we're going to do that. We're not going to let you get some cheap play on the defensive side of the ball, which, hey, the, the Packers have thrived on that this year. They've turned the ball over or got a lot of turnovers and strip sacks and things like that uh, this year that's helped them win football games. And I just thought it was a very smart attack. And then when you get into the red zone, Brady's one of the best ever down there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just pinpoint. He's smart. And 
He knows where and when to attack and, and the right areas. So if you had the top three compliments to give to the Buccaneers for this awesome game, maybe Tom isn't in your top three, but he plays well. Definitely. And as I'm listening to you, you're describing a team where the quarterback doesn't need to be all pro. No, it does not. And I think, I think, I think Tom's realizing that, and I think the team itself and Bruce Arians and everybody are going, wait, we don't need to do this way either. I right. don't need to be no risk it, no biscuit, right. and all that stuff. We, we have a good team. We can run the ball. I have a defense to where if we don't even play good on offense, we could probably still win a game, you know. And that's where uh, I really look at the Bucks, and I feel really good about their football team. I mean, listen, I'm a Bucks fan. I know people think I don't like Tom Brady. I just I'm so sick of that. Hmm. I don't give a shit. If my dad was Tom Brady, I'd still be telling you, right. eh, Maybe he's a little overrated, or it's not as great as you think, okay? Mm -hmm. Just deal with it. But <laughs> You can't uh, have everybody ranked in your top five. No, exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. But he's, he's the man, and I think that was just the big thing to me overall. It's a really tough matchup for the Bucs on both sides. I mean, on, for Green Bay on both sides of the ball. They don't have the size to match up with Tampa in the run game. And then, you know, ultimately that leads to the Bucks. If it's an even game or a close game, they just have the advantage across the board. Oh, okay, you want to stop the run and play man-to-man? -man? Okay, we got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. We'll beat you that way. Right. You know, oh, you want to drop back and play zones? Well, I mean, you're D-line. You only got one legit D-tackle. We're going to run it right up your throat. That's where they're kind of special right now and are a bad matchup for the Packers. Like, I really – I wrote down, I go, they play ten times. I think Tampa's winning nine out of ten times. Like, I don't think – Green Bay does not want to see Tampa Bay in the playoffs. What week is it that you're going to say Tampa is the most complete team in the NFC? Because you're, you're, you're right there, but I am not right quite there. ready to say it. Yeah, I'm not quite ready to say it. I'd like to see because I was saying it a little before their Bears Thursday night game. Yeah, I, uh, Pete will tell you. I don't know if we did a pod that week, but I was kind of going, watch out for Tampa. I'm really liking what I'm seeing. It's not perfect yet, but – Every week has gotten better. It's never going to be perfect. No, right? but it, it's really close. I mean, I, I think we're three, two, three games okay. away from me going. This is the team. This is the team. Team yes. in the NFC. You know, you look at the NFC and the Packers, you see they have issues. Yeah. You know, we know well, Seattle's Seattle, defense sucks. They're great, but they have issues. Yeah. Right, they got issues. So, it, you know, the Green Bay and the Seattle are riding. They have a good team, don't get me wrong, but their, their team is better because they're riding one guy in 12 mm -hmm. and 3, and that makes them a little bit better than what they actually are. Tampa doesn't have to ride anybody. Right. They just need Tom to make his throws and do a few things like that and not fuck the game up like Jameis did in the past, right. and they're going to be tough to beat. Made some throws to Gronk. Team. Yes. It was great to see. Fun to see that combination back. Pete delivered some, some, some bad news to me this morning. Yeah. He said we have so much to get into that we don't have time for quarterback Jeffrey. Damn. But we can work in a couple oh, questions good. here. Oh, good. Work them so, in. Work them in. As we put this one to bed here, all right, Brady and Gronk, 91 touchdown connections. That's third all time. Yeah. Second, Steve Young and Jerry Rice. Okay. Who's first? It's in our time. Yeah. Is this? Quarterback, so, receiver, or tight end, touchdown connections. I think it's Peyton and Marvin, huh? One for one, man. Okay, baby. Maybe we'll have to do QB Jeopardy this way the whole yeah. the whole time. Yeah, 114 times. It's pretty damn good. They you know, up. again, you know, uh, just another proven point. Yeah. I don't care who you are. Mm -hmm. You need help around you. Right. You know, Patrick Mahomes got help right around him right now. Mm -hmm. You know, Peyton Manning had fucking Reggie Wayne, Dallas Clark, Marvin Harrison, and Andrew and James. Is that pretty good? Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> so even the great ones need some greatness around them so mm. we can see their greatness there all together. And the other last thing to take away from the Tampa game, mm -hmm. this is what's also scary for Green Bay. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are not even right. healthy. 
They're like they were playing at seventy percent yesterday. They're, when Chris Godwin, he was running like like Fred Flintstone. Like yeah. he couldn't even let it go. And Mike Evans was certainly being cautious as well, which is even scarier for Green Bay. I mean, that's, that, that's to where I look at it and just go, oh, Green Bay, you better hope you don't see Tampa in the playoffs because you got no chance against them. All right, Tampa Bay, the analysis here, they looked every bit as good as that 38-10 to 10 score would tell you. Yeah. All right, damn okay. Yeah. Moving into this portion of the Monday show, let's start with the Titans game and Derrick Henry from 19 carries in 57 yards earlier in the week to 22 for 212. It's just insane. It doesn't matter. The whole game is still about him, and you always have to defend him. And even the Bills, the fact that it changed their game because they're worried about Derrick Henry. But, I mean, I, I've never seen anything like Derrick Henry. I've isn't never. There, isn't there a damn okay intro song? Uh, yeah, there is. They must have just said screw it today. Damn. And they screw it. <laughs> there it is. Okay. Oh, yeah. Damn. I'm okay. I'm get this for the drive home. Yeah, no, I mean, yes, I'm okay. The don't, legal gamble. Don't drive yourself crazy. Oh, <laughs> baby. I am Chris Sims. I'm okay. Dan. Okay. That's some sound on tape, right? That's, man. Right? I mean, I'm telling you, they should, I'm, I'm a rapper. I really am. But So, so you were saying, never seen anything like Never Derek seen Henry. anything, like, literally. Speed, the size. What? It's just insane. Right? You know, the shiftiness, even though it, I'm not saying it's Barry Sanders, there's still so many times in the open field where you see him, you know, shake a guy and the guy just barely gets an arm around him and then they fall off because he makes the move that way. But on the 94-yard touchdown run or however long that freaking thing was, again, weaves through traffic, slows down, and then makes a cut to his left. And you think at that point, I remember watching going, all right, well, the DBs will run him down. And he pulled away from everybody after that. So to be that size and start and stop and do everything he does that way, um, yeah, it's, it's just it's amazing. And, yeah, the, the Titans blew the game, but at the it's, same time are still so resilient and fun to watch and definitely one of the best teams in football. Yeah, how about the five days for Ryan Tannehill? 74%, seven touchdowns, one pick. I mean, it's another example of just what we were just talking about with Peyton Manning. Get a guy in the right place with some support, and oh, damn, he's a little bit better than he was at that last place that was real shitty. Shock. <laughs> right. You know? Uh, but yes, I'll say what I always say about Ryan Tannehill. He takes advantage of what's there to be had to its utmost on a weekly basis, is almost as good as anybody in football. He really does. He leaves no yards, completions on the field. You see the degree of difficulty at the rows he's asked to make. It's down the field all the time. You know, they're in control of this game. It's 21-10. They're going to kick the field goal, and you're going, you know, this is, they're never going to stop Tennessee all day long. It's right. a, block the field goal. They go down. They score a touchdown. You know, then there was a, uh, another quick score after that. I can't remember what ensued. Uh, Tennessee did something to give them the ball back, and it's driving me crazy to give them the short field. And I can't think of what the hell it was. And maybe it was that might have been a strip sack fumble. Um, but was totally in control of the game, basically messed it up is what I'm saying, and then had to come back and win the football game. Uh, they, you know, they're, they're, they have a great self-belief. They're really well taught, and they're a big play football team just like we saw last Tuesday night to where they're never out of a game or in a bad spot because they can rip off big chunks of yards. A couple of minutes ago, you, you're this close to calling Tampa Bay the yeah. most complete team in the NFC. Right. Most complete team in the AFC, Tennessee count. <sighs> Tennessee, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, and Baltimore are all complete to me. They really are. Okay. And I would probably say, because that's where I look at the AFC, and I go, the AFC is scary. There's a lot of complete football teams there. I would, 
I would go with Tennessee or Pittsburgh to be the most complete. And I think they play next. They do next weekend. Next yeah. week, that's going to be that's a game that was already canceled because of you know the COVID nineteen outbreak. Right. So uh, yeah, that's that that to me uh, is going to be a lot of fun to watch, especially that Titans offensive line versus that Steelers defensive front and all that. Um, but I think the the last thing I want to say on this game too, Romeo Cornell going for two at the mm-hmm. end of the football game. Don't like it? No. Just go up eight. I mean, go up eight. There's make so the much team score a touchdown. Like, just kick the extra point. Yeah, I, I, it, it's, it, and kick the extra point and then make the team go score a touchdown and then score another touchdown from the two-yard line. It's just not that easy in football. Right. I, I don't, so I don't know why all of a sudden it's just like this, this always this – Maybe it's analytics the, the, and everything. The points are up so much. Maybe I mean teams are getting a little too overconfident that hey, the next touchdown is going to come anyway. I, I I mean maybe you're right. I don't really understand it. I don't understand the thinking of it. And honestly, you're taking the pressure off the team a little bit that's behind you that way. And uh, yeah, that was that was a stupid. If you get to nine points at that spot, game's over. Well, not so he does. Yes, I know. But it wasn't over. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, if my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. But you know, she doesn't. So it's, it's the first time this season. Yes, that's the first yeah. time this year. Yeah. But that's where I just, you know, I go. I know the if factor, but what if it doesn't work? You know, that that's where I feel like it just gets glossed over. All right. Well, Tennessee went down. They tied the game. Then they won the toss. And you never saw the ball, and they win the game, just like that. In less than a minute, I played both sides there. <laughs> very, it was very good. Very I, good. Most, I mostly agree with the first point. Pete, Pete was giving me assist on, yeah, no, I, on the I, next one. But. I, I understand. Uh, it's the new, the new <laughs> wave. The, but that, okay, I just want to hit on this too. And then Mike Vrabel, which I missed in real time yesterday, yeah. having the 12, minute, 12 men on the field to stop the clock, which the NFL needs to look at mm-hmm. to change that rule because that's bullshit. But great job by him regardless to keep 12 guys on the field, not take the timeout. Loophole. Loophole. <laughs> Saves them 40 seconds that they very dearly needed at the end of the football yeah. game to score that game-tying touchdown. Right. One more damn okay. Yeah. Marcus Johnson. Yeah. Sammy Lambert. Now, this, this deals with the Colts beating the Bengals 31-27. He's a wide out from Texas. From Texas. like you. Yep. Sammy Lambert says, damn okay, Marcus Johnson. Practice squad three weeks ago. Five receptions, 108 yards. I mean, like, impressive. And, and it, doesn't, it wasn't like I, you watch him and go – Oh, this is just some practice squad guy getting lucky with a few plays or they game plan. I mean, he he's beating people. Yeah, he's running legit routes. He's jumping up and catching balls like that. Hey, I, I mean, I remember him at Texas. He's he's a specimen. He can do everything. You know, he can beat you with speed, catching traffic. You know, decent route runner. But yeah, that was really cool. I mean, good for Philip Rivers mm-hmm. and. You know, again, I just you look at this this Colts team. I'm not giving up on them yet. I know it's been a little bit all over the place, and they're four and two. But hey, just like Tampa, they're a little bit of a work in progress. You got to give them a little leeway. There's a lot of new parts on the team, and they're trying to figure stuff out on the fly. Philip Rivers getting used to a new place, all those type of things. But to be down 21 nothing, then 24-7, really never blink. Rivers played pretty much mistake-free football once they got down, and you know they got some people like. Uh, other receivers hurt that are going to come back. Uh, the kid from Ohio State, who I'm, I'm uh, blanking on his name, that they drafted in the second, Paris Campbell. There you go. Right? So he'll be back soon. Uh, I don't even know. Defense is good. Defense is very good, even though that was surprising, all the big plays they let up yesterday. But Still good. It, 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 if, if, 
if they're not healthy at receiver, at least you got a guy like Marcus Johnson and T.Y. Hilton and everything to make it work. Self-scout thyself from Damn OK. We'll yeah. move on to another staple here. And I think we have some, some visual support for everybody watching on YouTube cool. here. Dealing with the 49ers. Oh, no. The Rams 24-16. I was watching this at home, and, and I, I kind of took note of this as well. There's, there's Kyle Shanahan's buddy on the right. College friends. Chris Sims saying, you know what? Yeah. The Rams are going to win. I know. Well. I chickened out. I, I go to be right. I don't, you know, I don't, you know, I don't get any brownie points for like picking him or anything like that. So, now we have a question here from Aladdin. Yeah. He says, "Can you pick against us more often?" I feel like Kyle gets pissed off <laughs> and wants to prove you wrong. Maybe he does because I, mean, I picked you against the Eagles and you got to shit down your pants. So okay, where the fuck were you then, San Francisco? All right, but they, I mean they screwed that game up and then they screwed the next week up. So I didn't trust them yesterday. That's really all it came down to. I just didn't trust them. I just said, man, maybe they got a little bit of the, you know, the injury bug, the turnover bug, and, you know, the Rams who have been playing clean football, I just went, I'm, I'm going to trust them here. I don't know how healthy Jimmy G is. I don't know what's going to go on. So I got scared. I, I talked about it all day yesterday. It's okay to be scared. In our meetings where I said, don't put me down for the 49ers yet. I was like, I'm not sold. I'm not sure. I mean, don't put me down for the Rams because they ask us usually about 1 o'clock, who are you going to yeah. take tonight? Yeah. And I went, right now I'm going to take the Rams. And I said, I'm not sure yet. So let me think on Stu. The Stu on it, but no, I chickened out. Yeah. Well, yes. Jimmy G looked a lot more healthy. 22 out of 33, 268. Three touchdowns, no picks. Yeah, well, he, he played really good. Um, but again, I will say this, like I said this morning on the show, Kyle Shanahan was the star of this football game. He won this football game. He is the reason that Jimmy G stats look this way. I mean, Jimmy G on the first two drives, did he throw a ball past three feet, past the, the, the line of scrimmage? I mean, it was screen, screen, tight end screen, play action, speed sweep. I mean, it was all a great formula to one, get your quarterback and offense who are struggling to get them some easy plays to get going. You know, you start feeling good. Oh, look, we're moving the ball down the field, even though I haven't thrown a real pass. And then the other thing it does, you you wear out a Rams front like that right off the bat. You can't you don't let Aaron Donald tee off and go upfield when you play that style of football. And that's where Shanahan, I mean, I heard his comment. No, no, you have to the whole game plan is about Aaron Donald. Everything is. You can't ever let him be free or just going in an attack mode and I thought Shanahan did a great job of that kind of taking Aaron Donald out of the game with all the side to side stuff the quick throws the misdirection everything like that you never really heard his name last night and it was that game plan to me that really was the the difference more visual support here I want to take yeah. a closer look at that fourth and two touchdown yeah to George Kittle you know, speaking about not throwing it very far, this is a, this is a cool aspect we have here. It really is. Um, to me, what I saw, and we've talked about this a number of times, Chris, yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo with the quick drop thrown between the hashes underneath 15 yards, it's like a handoff for him. It's, it's, he's, he's great at it. You know, he's got a, he's got a good, good quick release. He's very accurate with those type of throws. You've heard me for two years now tell you when you play San Francisco, I would always guard the middle of the field. That's mm -hmm. where they attack. You know, and this is one of those instances. It's fourth and two. You're in a tough spot as a defense. They all out blitz. You know, I, you know, I don't love that call. No safety in the middle. Of no the field. safety in the middle of the field. One guy gets beat. One guy trips. It's a touchdown. And he got beat. He can't make the tackle. It's a touchdown. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I don't always love those calls. I don't, especially against a quarterback who's been very iffy in the drop back pass game this year or certainly had those moments. But. I think it was also courageous for Kyle to have a scheme where the other team brings six and you're like, 
I'm only leaving in five. Yeah. No. We're going to get guys out. Gonna get quarterback's going to get rid of it. I don't care that we're outnumbered. I, I, it's something that I think offenses should do more, and they're, they're not enough teams do it. Kyle's one of the few. New England does it, mm-hmm. you know, especially in their prime with Brady. Like, oh, you want to just keep blitzing us? Right. You better have all your stuff sh- straight because we're going to send this guy out one time and just not care. Mm-hmm. And are you, who you got picking him up? Right. Because we kind of see these blitzes, and he doesn't seem very aware. And that will slow a team down from blitzing. And I think the other thing, too, the 49ers getting healthy in the secondary. And, I mean, they, they, they dominated the Rams. And I have the same question about the Rams. You know, and it's the same question about Jared Goff, everybody. His stats are amazing. I get it. You know, he's leading football in yards com- for completion. Okay, but all the throws are three, four yards down the field, and then they run with it. So I, that doesn't mean Jared Goff deserves all the credit there. The, I have the same damn questions about the Rams. It's almost like the Minnesota Vikings or some other good teams. Can they move the ball if they can't run? Can they score points if they can't run the ball? Because I don't have great faith in their drop-back pass game as far as I don't think it's that's overly that creative. And then I don't think Jared Goff is a guy that's going to tear apart the better defenses in football in the drop-back pass game. That, to me, is the big question about them going forward. Pedestrian yesterday, 50% exactly. Yeah. Uh, only 198 passing all, yards for that All scheme. the McVay specials were gone. That's, that's what I'll say. And I know I get a lot of shit about this on Twitter. But all, they couldn't run the boots. They couldn't run the screen game. That takes away 12 completions for him every game. And then that's probably over 100 yards for him every game, just the boots and screens. So that was gone. And then it's like, uh uh-oh, wait, we're not running the ball. And now we got to drop back and throw the ball. And that's just not the way they're they're built to play either. So that was a tough night for them. And uh, the 49ers getting healthy. We'll see where they go. I mean, they're, st- they're still still very talented. You're thinking about run after the catch, and you talked about some of the very good play calling that yeah. allowed the Niners to pile up those yards. Jimmy G, 268 passing yards. How many of those yards came after the catch? Oh, I mean. 221, that's 83%. It's, it's unreal. They, McVay and Shanahan are geniuses at this. They do it in two different ways. McVay gets you just going sideline to sideline, sideline to sideline. And when you go to the sideline this far, too far this way, he comes out with a boot or something the other way. And then, so they're all about, you know, horizontal, 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 and we're just going to stress you that way and get completions and get our guys running upfield. You know, as they're going horizontal, they're going to then turn up vertical. Shanahan's a little different in, you know, his run game can be a little bit more hair downhill and everything like that. He kind of attacks upfield with it, I guess, a little bit more. Where it is the play action, oh, there's Kittle screaming over the middle and we're going to hit him there. So they're using their deception and all those type of things. It's just two different ways in which they do it. A couple more things to hit here with the self-scout thyself. Yeah. Broncos defense, the Broncos. Woo. If you like defense, uh, this was a good game. If you like offense, it was ugly. But Denver knocks off New England 18-12, to one touchdown the entire game. Deion Hicks says, remember when you said Denver has no one worth noting in the front seven? Yeah. Denver's defense was just average. Self-scout thyself. Yeah. Show brother, I'll be tuning in. Yep. No, hey, listen, they played good football yesterday. Uh, there, there's no doubt. Uh, would I have imagined that they would have stymied that run game the way they did? Absolutely not. I've never also, I don't think I've seen the Patriots play that sloppy in a long, long time. You know, yeah. it's hard to play. I mean, again, just like we talked about with Phillip Rivers and Tom Brady, New England's got more moving parts than both of those teams, maybe combined. So they need practice. They have a quarterback who's really learning a new system, and they got young receivers. Their O-line's banged up yesterday. 
You know, we know about all the COVID opt-outs on the defensive side of the ball. When you have no practice, COVID-19 is about the only thing that can defeat Bill Belichick. And I, I said this in the morning this morning too. You know, the, with the COVID-19 protocols and you have an outbreak, the, 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 the Patriots lose their greatest advantage. And their greatest advantage is their head coach. His ability to be in the building with the players, the game planning, the little nuances he can teach everybody all the time. Hey, we're having a walkthrough. Hey, that's cool. You did it right. But be careful when they do this. I need you to be aware of this. That's where they separate themselves. That's taken away from New England. So uh, am I, I'm very surprised, and I appreciate the question from our guy too, but I think that played a big part in the football game. I do. It's a good way of thinking let, about let, it. Let alone, you know, hey, two tip pass interceptions, um, Izzo, Catches a ball down the middle, fumbles, um, in field goal range, ball snapped over Cam Newton's head, out of field goal range. You know, those are things that you know, New England did to themselves. I don't, I'm not trying to take away from Denver. I love Denver and where they're going. Uh, I don't think it's going to go anywhere special this year. I still think New England has a chance to go somewhere special. That's a question I want yeah. to ask because right yeah. now New England's in that spot, a yeah. weird spot for them right now, two and three. Yeah. I was listening to, to Mike last night on football night. Tony Dungy put out a tweet that was similar. They feel like there's a real divide right now. There's some really good teams. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of teams who are not very good and not a lot of in the middle. Right. New England looks to be kind of in the middle. I think so. Do you think they're closer to being one of the good teams or one of the teams that's just not very good? No, I think they're closer to being one of the good teams. Let's not forget. One yard line against the Seattle Seahawks had the Kansas City Chiefs wobbly on the ropes without Cam Newton even playing in the game. And then yesterday, yeah, they laid an egg. So there's no excuse for that, even though, you know, it was, it's, it's a tough circumstance. But I still have, I think, when we've seen them healthy up front, they have a dominant run game. Am I worried about their passing attack and that? Yeah, that's where Denver called their bluff yesterday. Yeah. Denver said, we don't think your receivers can run by anybody. We're going to man you up and crowd the line of scrimmage and not let your run game off. And that's where Fangio was really great can't everybody do that? I mean... It, it, they should be able to. You're, you're right. Until maybe we see a different variety of run game. You know, I thought New England was very basic on offense, too. Mm -hmm. You know, so that hurts them. They're one of the more creative staffs in football. They're not only have the, what, two or three practices over the last 16 days, yeah. and your quarterback hasn't played in three weeks. You know, that, that, that hurt them, too, with some of the, you know, intricate quarterback design runs or other things they have, it's hard to practice those. They were certainly compromised because of the way the last yeah. couple of weeks played out. But their personnel is their personnel yes. out wide. It is. No matter their if personnel is going to be a little bit of an issue altogether. Like, they're not one of the most talented teams in football. That's why them being away from the building and not having Bill Belichick's coaching is a double whammy this year in a year like this. 2007 Patriots? All right, they want to take a two weeks off. They were talented, whatever. They would have made it work still. Right. But this team has got a lot of new parts, and, you know, it's, it's work. But I will say with Denver, I want to give them credit. I'm not trying to not. Right. Drew Locke did some great things, made some big throws Much better early than his on. numbers looked yeah. below 50%. Two but stupid he, interceptions at the end. Yeah. I thought it was encouraging. I, I do, too. I mean, again, Denver, they're ravaged by injuries. They're one of those teams you just say, watch out for them next year. They're going to be, they're going to be in the thick of things. Around any corner. Within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. 
No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Want to make Mom's Day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, film deep dive number two today. Steelers knock off the Browns 38-7. Yeah. Really focusing on, on two defenses doing amazing jobs. Yeah. Talk about the Buccaneers and what they did to the Packers. So Pittsburgh over Cleveland, 38-7. to Cleveland was really good in that four-game win streak. They scored over 30 in every single one of those games, and they just looked like they had zero chance yesterday. Let's start it this way. I think this starts you down a pretty general path on the main theme of the game. Uh, at Burst Sports asks, do you think the lack of offense from Cleveland yesterday was mostly because of Baker Mayfield, or was the game plan and play calling partially to blame as well. Well, I know I think there's some of that too. And I mean, yeah, Baker didn't help, you know, to get you get your team down 10 nothing before you're, you know, broke a sweat with the the first interception. That was, you know, it's just a pitiful interception. You know, it, it the one thing I know right now and what I've liked about Cleveland, they have to manage Baker Mayfield a little bit. You you have to. You can't just let Baker Mayfield play. He's going to make mistakes. Got to put reins on him. You with have the, with the play to put reins on him. There's no doubt. You can't trust him to drop back 45 times and throw the football around the lot. That's why they've been playing the way they're playing. That's smart. Run the football, play action pass, boots, you know, things that are very high percentage that way. I mean, that mistake there, yeah, that's pretty egregious. It's like he came up to the line of scrimmage on the first pick six, saw two safeties deep, never looked at him again. Never looked. Just said set hut and looked at the receiver to his left thinking, hey, the two safeties are deep. No, they changed. They're yeah. not. One's really short now. You never, he never even recognized that. It's like he got a pre-snap read. It's kind of like when a batter says, I know what he's going to throw. Exactly. I'm ready for that. It's exactly what it and was. Here comes Minka Fitzpatrick. Breaks down. He goes from 12 yards deep to four yards deep, and there it is. Pre, but I think you hit it. Like the pre-snap, they were very good in just staying wide. They didn't show, like, oh, we're going to do this. And I think he just went, oh, I know what they're playing. I'm going to set hut. Here we go. And, no, Pittsburgh's pretty good at disguising and being good that way. So they get that pick six, definitely. To me, though, the biggest thing is the Steelers' front seven whooped the shit out of the Cleveland Browns' front offensive line. No matter what way you want to put it, you know, first thing is in the run game. This is where I think Cleveland – I love, you know, Cleveland's run game. I really do. Where I think they did a little bit of a disservice to themselves yesterday is running the ball 
in 21 personnel and 12 personnel. To me, you're playing in the hands of Pittsburgh. So? Pittsburgh gets to play base defense. Okay. They don't have to take out any of their linebackers or their awesome D linemen. You want, you want to be big and mean with us? Okay. We, you're not taking us off the field and putting a nickel back in or anything like that? We can just keep Bud Dupree, J.J. Watt, I mean, T.J. Watt at outside linebacker, and then a Lou and – Step onto it and Cam Hayward and Bush and Vince Williams all in. Please let us play. That's what they want to do. That's where their money of their team is. So that to me would be something to watch out for as they move forward. They played that style of football. Yeah, they could not move Pittsburgh off the ball in the run game. And then Pittsburgh didn't blitz very much. Listen to you last week. Oh, I hope they did because, again, the results, they say it. When they don't blitz, they're awesome defense. And they didn't blitz very much at all yesterday. When they blitzed, they did like mug blitzes a lot of the times in the first half. What's that? Like, say I'm the middle linebacker. We're playing, let's say, two-man, right? And I got you, the running back. You're the running back. Let's say Baker Mayfield's next to you. So they do the old, like, kind of what you just talked about with uh, who was it that was kind of the Tampa Bay team, a guy stands up in the line. So they kind of run up to the line of scrimmage, and the back doesn't know, wait, is he blitzing or is he covering me or what's he doing? So then he stays and blocks, and now the guy goes, oh, wait, he's blocking. I can go in and rush and be a fifth-man rusher. Or if the the running back does show like he's going to go out in a route, then he goes out and covers him. Um, But – but they really didn't blitz. They let the front four get after them, and they did. And that's what you know what it means. That's, that's what I've been asking for. And uh, like I pointed out with the Tampa Bay interception, I'm drawing a blank on, on, on the kid's name who picked off Aaron Rodgers and took it back. Yeah. Jamil uh, Dean. Dean, right. Okay, we talked yeah. about the fact that he was in zone and able to watch Aaron the whole time. Right. Minka Fitzpatrick was in – it was a – an exotic form of zone, but yeah. he's playing zone too. He's playing he's zone. He's watching Baker the whole time. Exactly. And my eyes go here more because, listen to you last week, yeah. I was of the thinking, hey, get after the quarterback. Heck yeah, blitz him. Right. But those guys aren't watching the quarterback when there's such an all-out blitz, nobody in the middle of the field. Both oh, those yeah. guys who made the pick sixes were watching the QB the entire yes, time. Yes, they were. They and, were. And th- th- that, that kind of coverage allowed them to keep their eyes on it. You know, you play coverage, you got a great front four, the coverage might make the quarterback pat the ball an extra time, mm-hmm. boom, oh, I'm blindsided by T.J. Watt, or whatever it is. And, you know, um, uh, even the se- and even the second pick was zone coverage. Which Again, one was that? The Baker Mayfield, he kind of scrambles to the right and throws the interception on the right sideline, kind of in the end of the sec- middle, middle to end second quarter. Yep. You know, Again, the pressure got that, but there, there again is there's seven guys in coverage. They're playing zone. They're watching him. Oh, he's running to the right. All the guys move to the right, and then he tries to throw a ball. There's five guys there. I mean, it was, that was a stupid decision. Right. I don't know what they were thinking there, but all in all, uh, yeah, th- that to me, the Browns, the biggest thing was what I said. If you're going to run the ball on Pittsburgh, spread them out. That's the, they don't want to play that kind of game. Right. You're going to put them more in a dilemma that way. And then the other thing I just was surprised by, no movements, motions. Where are the fake yeah, reverses, the yeah. reverses, all of that? None of that went on yesterday to where I went, they kind of just got in static formations. And to me, you know, Pittsburgh's got a lot of rules. you got to make them communicate and do things to where they just got to go like, oh, okay, two tight ends to the right. Here we go. Right. Let's hunker in. And you're not going to win that battle against the Pittsburgh Steelers. It wasn't only the personnel. And I think you bring up a very good point there. Playing with two tight ends, it allows them to play, as people say, in a phone booth. Yeah. Ball. But they also, with their wideouts, and it's very in vogue now to 
to line them up almost Tight. attached to the line exactly of right and when you do that you're inviting the defense to be bunched in there with you and how difficult of a read of what they're doing is that when they're all just standing there it's it's your if they're yes. if they're sideline to sideline a little more it, it, you're you're making them spread it out. It opens the field up. And they're not allowed up. to be that close to the line right. of scrimmage. Right, not the close to the line of scrimmage. The disguises aren't as easy if it's spread out, exactly. right? Because you're going like, wait, okay, that guy's over there. Well, he's got a safety behind him, and he might have to blitz. You don't know who the hell's blitzing when you get in some of those tight formations or whatever it is. And, yeah, phone booth football against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, they're the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. This is what they do. They love it. They got more badass mofos than any team in football, you know, as far as that's concerned. So – yeah, I, I just – but I was surprised that they dominated Cleveland's O-line in the run game the way they did. That was a little surprising. And, of course, you know, the early interception, I think, got them away from maybe being quite as patient with the run game in general. But it was the most complete game I've seen the Steelers play on the defensive side of the ball yet. Um, I'm thinking and, about run game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Steelers' run game was pretty good. Yeah. Ralph Del Sardo, a little self-scout thyself, he says, I was confused with Chris calling the Steelers' run game horrible – in his picks this week, I think they're trending in the right way and nowhere near their ceiling. Yeah, well, listen, I have not loved their run game. I have not. I mean, there's been, I think, one other game this year where they've kind of been somewhat, uh, you know, good statistically running the ball, and it was very late. I still have hope for the run game, and I have much more hope after what we saw yesterday. Now, again, Pittsburgh, to me, is getting a little bit of identity of what they want to finally do on the offensive side of the ball. I think that's what's exciting. Which They're is? They're a shotgun team. Yep. 11 personnel. You're starting to see movement of the speed sweeps and the clay pool stuff and all that. But their best 11 on the field is their O-line, Ebron at tight end, James Conner next to Big Ben in the backfield, Juju in the slot, and then um, James Washington and Claypool outside. Yeah. That's when they're tough to stop. Mm -hmm. And James Conner... To our buddy's question there and his point, uh, he is very good shotgun runner. You know, he's he's a Le'Veon Bell. He's a like in the NFL term we would say a rat ball. Like he, you know, he's very good at slowly approaching the line of scrimmage and hopping and just kind of waiting for the play to develop and do that. And when you're spread out yep. and playing in the shotgun that yep. way, and he's that type of runner. It, it fits him, and I think that was very effective for them yesterday. And you saw some of their, their really good runs were out of the shotgun. Yeah, he was just a little bit over 100 yards. Yeah. And there wasn't a lot of this, but in every single game, uh, one of the reasons Pittsburgh is winning, Ben Roethlisberger, whether it's one or four or five times, he will throw a ball beyond 30 yards that is absolutely perfect. He yes. did it twice yesterday when it was still kind of a game, and it was one of the many reasons they were able to pile on. They are – if you're going to play them one-on-one -on -one, – they are never going to be scared to take a shot down the field or throw like one-on-one -on -one out routes and yeah. comebacks. That's, that's to me where I love about Pittsburgh. They just make the game simple sometimes where they just go, all right, you want to blitz or keep all these size people inside? It's one-on-one -on -one and we think our guy's better and we got a quarterback that can just hit bullseyes all day long. No problem. Um, but I, I think you're right. You know, they have a short passing game. But what they do, it's draws, it's quick throws, it's screens, it's wide receiver screens. You know, and then the occasional shot down the field. And they got two big touchdown passes, or one touchdown pass, one that set them up on the two-yard line. They're in the bunch formation, and they've already thrown a few out routes, yep. and they run an out and up both times. James Washington, wide, out, uh, wide open touchdown. Claypool down the left sideline that set them up at the two-yard line. It was the same route. Bunch route, similar to what we saw Aaron Rodgers throw the pick six on. He's in tight. 
They kind of release outside. They're going to run the 10 yard out. They turn the head. And as soon as they turn the head, they turn back upfield. And both corners took the bait as far as Cleveland was concerned. And you, like you said, he's money with ball, balls down the field. Last question about this one. And yeah. I think it's a good bullet point here. Will the real Cleveland Browns please stand up? How, how should this team feel about itself? How are we supposed to feel about them knowing that they're really measuring themselves against Baltimore? In Pittsburgh, they have four really good wins in between playing those two teams. Right. But against those two teams, who are the class of the AFC North, it's 76 to 13. So four and two, hey, pretty good. Or this team's a million miles away from the top of their division. Yeah, I don't think they're they're ready for that kind of football yet. Now, I, I you know, I don't want to say they're a million miles away. They're trending in the right direction. I think were we overhyping them a little bit going into this game? Yes, I definitely do. I do, yeah. I know they beat the Indianapolis Colts the week before and did all that, but, I mean, the Bengals, the football team, and the Cowboys, I'm not going to sit here and go, whoa, you beat them? Yeah. Um, so, no, I think there's still a significant, you know, gap between them and the Ravens and the Steelers. I do. You know, those, Biggest gap is? <sighs> biggest gap is their defense is not as dominant as those two, you know, and – I, I think the other thing is, you know, the, they don't have to manage their quarterbacks. That's the other thing. You know, I just I don't think those other teams have to worry about that. I think you got to worry about Baker a little bit. You just can't let it fly with him. And I don't, I don't, I, I think Baker should still be the guy, but yeah. there's a question here and people are talking about uh-huh. it. Uh, Sport Lover 2010 says, Case Keenum looked calmer and more composed he in the is. pocket. Game was over by that yeah. point. Of course, you're going to be a little more calm. If Baker's not 100% and Keenum starts, what does he need to show Kevin Stefanski to win the starting job? Well, Baker just has to – I mean, there's there's too many just errant throws, stupid decisions. What are you looking at in the pocket? I don't understand where your eyes are. Are you looking at the rush? Are you even looking downfield? So even if he's healthy, it sounds like maybe you're painting a picture that you ought to I, consider. I, I, well, I, I mean, I've been saying this really the whole year so far, that it's not look great. It's concerning that way, you know. And I've even – a few weeks ago, just tell me – I said, what, tell me what's elite about. What does he do that's elite? You know, that's what's concerning – Case Keenum's the same guy in a lot of ways. Very similar that way. I don't think his arm is as big as Baker's, but... You think you'd have to manage him as much as you're talking about no, having to manage him? No, I don't think you would have to. No, I think Baker, Baker right now, I, 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 he's, he's way too loose with the football and the things he does. And then, of course, some of the throws themselves are just at times where I just go, man, Odell Beckham Jr.'s wide open on the right sideline for a 20-yard out. He threw the ball 14 feet in the air. Odell jumped up and caught it, but he got pushed out of bounds. Like, that should have been a slam dunk first down. Let's keep the chains rolling. You know, there's just too much of that right now. And I I wrote a note down that I wanted to to write about or uh, tell you with Baker, but uh, I've just got to find it here. I'm sorry. Um, But, yeah, it was basically more along the lines of what I just said. And I don't know where the hell I wrote it, but just I don't know. You know, I, I I don't know what what he's doing at times as far as reading defenses in the pocket, anything like that. It can just be all over the place with uh, Baker. I find myself looking through my notes the same way, Chris. I'm like, I know I wrote this down. I, th- I, know, I know I highlighted I, it. I know I circled it, but I can't find it. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know where it is. But, you know, all right, last thing. I think we hit it all there, you know, too. But with that, that Steelers attack we talked about, mm-hmm. shotgun, draws, quick throws, all those type of things, 
You know, one of the great strengths of the Browns is Miles Garrett and their D-line, just like we talked about with Aaron. They never got to really get involved in the game with that style of football. Right. You know, they really did. Hey, here's quick throw, quick throw, quick throw, quick throw. Ooh, draw. All those type of things. And they never got to just get like, let me get my three-point stands and get after them. And then when they did try to make throws down the field, they more than, lot, more than not, like, they protected. You know, the, the out-and-up touchdown that was beautiful to, to Washington, they kept in seven-man protection. They had the back double-teaming Miles Garrett. They weren't going to let him ruin the game. That's what good football teams do. Good plan, well executed. Yep. This is a new one for me here. Take it up to 100, presented by Head & Shoulders. Ooh, baby. All right. Julio Jones, Falcons, defeat the Vikings 40-23. to A little golf clap for Atlanta getting that you know win. It. You know it. Julio Jones, eight catches, buck 37, two touchdowns after missing last week. Well, I mean, what, what can you say about Julio Jones? I mean, it just, you know, he's always battling through injuries and beat up, and I understand that, but it's one of the great receivers we've ever seen in the history of football. I mean, he really is. He is in the classes, the class of a T.O. and a Randy Moss and – he is that. He's special. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer to me as far as Julio Jones wow. is concerned. And, you know, you just, again, you see yesterday, you know, good downfield running, catching the ball over the middle in traffic. Oh, fourth down, you know, just back, backyard football with Matt Wright. I'll catch the ball. Oh, okay, I'll turn up the field and I'll stiff arm the linebacker as he's running me down and throw <laughs> him to the ground and score a touchdown. I mean, he's just one of the freakiest, best players we've ever seen in the sport. And that was uh, – he was a big part, you know, as far as getting them the win yesterday and getting off the uh, winless schneid there. Atlanta kind of like the, the NFC's version of Houston and the AFC that it's going to be – if you're a fan of theirs, it's going to be a long season. But if you just like to watch football and exciting games, I mean, they're, they're going to get a lot of them. You're right. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna give up a lot of big plays and make a lot of big plays, and it usually adds to a, a fun fun watch, no doubt. Now, Pete DeLamalama, Lamalitis, yeah, right. is, is managing me now the same way Kevin Stefanski has to manage me. Yeah, better. I skipped over something in self-scout thyself. So we're bundling it up here. <laughs> DeAndre Swift is being oh, included here as yeah, well yeah. as we take things up to 100. Uh, because he was 14 carries, 116 yards, a couple touchdowns, eight yards per carry, a little over eight yards per carry. Yep. What He wasn't exactly your favorite back coming out no, of the draft. No, he was not. He was like my number six running back. I or, think five. Was he five? Five. Yeah, I think you're right. It was five. And um, good player. But, yeah, yesterday, I'm, I'm kind of excited to watch that film a little bit. I mean, I know he had the big run. He's a very, you know – multi-purpose type back, which is I can understand why Detroit loved him. I mean, that's what he was in, in Georgia. Yeah, he can run the football and do those type of things, but I, I really think he might make his most waves and a name for himself in the NFL through the pass game. I mean, he's very shifty that way and doing stuff that way. But, uh, yeah, good for him, especially after that week one drop touchdown against the Bears. Yeah, you know, he's hurt. bounced back, and, you know, here he is, and – Maybe he's going to be the bell cow there. Carryon Johnson's never really quite healthy. Adrian Peterson's up there in age. Let's see what DeAndre Swift's got. So with not one topics but two, that was Take It Up to 100, presented by Head & Shoulders, available at Walmart. Victory lap time now. Oh, baby. Okay, victory lap takes Woo-hoo. us to the Ravens, knocking off the Eagles 30-28. to There's a certain player Chris has long called one of the NFL's most underrated players whose stats don't tell the story. You know where we're going here? I think so. I mean, when you're talking about the Ravens, and I think we're talking about Calais Campbell probably, go. right? Yeah. Yeah. Another guy. First ballot Hall of Famer. I mean. For real? I think so. Yeah. He's a stud. 
He's a stud. I, I never would have put those. Uh, I know put that name and that compliment. You know, together. he's a five technique and a three four. You know, to me, he's like Richard Seymour of the old like. You know, that's what he is. Richard Seymour is Richard Seymour getting the Hall of Fame last year. He finally got in, right? Did he get in? I think he did last year. Pete, Pete? check that out. I, no? Okay, I so maybe he made it the finalist and just missed. Okay. But he should be in. I'll yeah. just say that yeah. and he, at some point. But, yeah, Calais Campbell, I mean, Baltimore is another team I want to go, please stop blitzing so much. Calais Campbell runs over people anyways. We mm-hmm. don't need to do it. But either way. Is that I mean, the reason Philly got back in it? I, definitely. Definitely. I mean, he threw some balls up, and there was no safety in the middle of the field, and he just threw jump balls, and they went and got it. Because they were way up. What were they up? They were up 24 to 17 nothing halftime, yep. 30 to 14 in the fourth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They was just, it was too aggressive. And, you know, hey, Carson Wentz sat in there and made some plays. Which he's going to he do. He got beat to death. Right? I know. I mean, so many hits by that Baltimore defense. Unbelievable. But, yes. League high, eight quarterback pressures Ooh, yesterday, three sacks. Man. Yeah. And Calais Campbell – I mean, there was just there was a few. It was like it was cartoon stuff the way he was running over people and running over Carson Wentz. Xavier Howard also included here in the victory lap. Mm-hmm. Dolphins knock off the Jets twenty-four to nothing. Back in two thousand nineteen, you ranked him the third best cornerback behind Ramsey and Gilmore. Yeah, pretty good company. Yeah, four straight games with a pick. He's 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 an island corner. I mean, there, there's it, it, like Miami didn't make him the highest paid corner in the history of football because they thought he was shit. Right. I mean, they, 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 they realized Brian Flores and company, they got there and he was like, wait, I came from New England. I like to run man to man and have really awesome corners so I can do other stuff. Wait, this guy's really awesome. We played against him when I was in New England and he locked our guys down. You know, he's he's again, I think one of those guys that will become more famous as we start to see Miami get better and better and really realize that. And this is like an impossible stat here, Chris. Yeah. Per PFF, he's allowed zero completions in three of his last four Ooh. games. Wow. Now it helps when you're playing the Jets and they got no receivers. That's got to be a typo. Pete, uh-huh. typo? <laughs> no. No. Legit. Well, really talented guy who is now getting coached probably like he's never been coached before. And – you know, my man Brian Flores and what they got going down there in Miami, I don't know where it goes this year. Three and three. But I'm very excited about where it's going. I mean, they have so many good-looking players and young guys on their team that got to make you feel excited for the future of what they did, all those moves they made last year, the trading, the getting the draft picks, all of that. I mean, it's all, it's all been great so far. But Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, that other corner on the other side, I mean – they're, they're going to be able to lock down a lot of teams uh, at, at receiver. Let's look at uh, uh, one thing on the Jets here. I think yeah. we have uh, Greg Williams <laughs> as Thanos. I am inevitable. Yeah, he is inevitable. As in, like, I will be your de facto head coach at some point here soon because Adam <laughs> Gase is going to get fired, which, uh, you know, again, the Jets are dysfunctional. They're the worst mm-hmm. team in football. It's really not even close. Um, so they, they could I be in know. an interesting spot here because Sam Darnold is still young. I know. Uh, let's talk about Trevor Lawrence. A little bit of mini quarterback jeopardy here. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence, just within 50 yards. Yeah. Okay, within 50 yards. How many yards did he throw for in the first half on Saturday against oh, Georgia gosh. Tech? Gosh, I know. You know, I was watching the game, you know, and I just I, I was watching the game, and I was actually on the phone with my dad at one point when I was watching it, and we were both going like, oh, my, what a throw. Oh. I, I said within 100, we'd uh, give it to you. Pete said 50. 50? Got to do within 50. Okay. Just, just the first half. Uh, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say he threw for 280 in the first half. 
Where's our buzzer sound for incorrect? We, we need this. <laughs> it's happening more and more often. He threw for 391. Is it? Was it that much? In the first half. Holy crap. So I, I know Georgia Tech is struggling a bit, but yeah. still, this is a Division One football team. You don't throw for 391 against the freshman and scout team practice. So 391, five touchdowns, they won 73 to 7. Okay, one more little quarterback Jeopardy tie-in right. to this game. Tua played for the first time. Yeah, good for him. Nice to see him Looked run good. out there. Looks cool in the uniform, too. I like the way the one looks right. in yeah, that color. Looks yeah, looks good. Yeah. You made the comment last year, and I thought you did a very nice job of saying, he's a fine prospect. Right. I don't dislike him. I just like others a lot more. Right. And one of the points you made was, whoever is playing quarterback at Alabama is, is going to have some big numbers because of talent around him. Who took his place? What's the name of the quarterback oh, who took his place? Oh, Overcame a big oh. deficit Saturday night, number two against number oh, three. Oh, I'm going to pass Georgia. Oh, I'm going to choke on his name. While you're thinking about it, and this is to your point you made a few months ago about a lot of quarterbacks are going to put up good numbers here. 75%, four seventeen and four touchdowns against Georgia. Yeah, he's at 78% for the year in this offense. 12 touchdowns, two picks. What's his name? I can't. I'm Mac not. Jones. Mac Jones. Damn it. Damn it. I what. He's, he's a good player. I mean, he's he going to play in the NFL. He's done a and, nice job. And, yeah, again, I wasn't trying to take away from Tua more just to say. You were just making a valid point. There's the guys that they had two first-round draft picks last year, a receiver. And they're going to have two year. more this year. They're going to. Six and 17 and how about the offensive line? are going in the first right. round. The left tackle is going in the top five. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no doubt. He was the best left tackle in football last year. I mean, when I was watching Alabama – and Jedrick Wills at right tackle last yeah. year, I kept going, who the fuck is the left tackle? Is he <laughs> coming out? Right. I mean, he's going to be a top 10 pick. So, yeah, I'm just – listen, again, nothing against Tua. I hope he has an awesome career. I know right. he's a great kid. You know, that's what's hard about this job. Sometimes when you want to make your points, you got to make somebody sound like they're not good or whatever it is. You never said he was a bad prospect. Yeah. You just said – I thought liked, he was overrated. Like, Justin Herbert better. That was the yeah. big sticking point because right. most had Tua in front of him. Right. And I think, you know, as we talked about it throughout the weeks and months, you have to come up with detailed ways of saying, well, here's why. Yeah. And one of the reasons why, you said anybody would come in there and have some big numbers. Right. And Mac Jones isn't anybody. He's playing yeah. well, but I, I think that's your point. Yes. Look at what he's doing. Yeah, look what he's doing. And, again, that, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Like we've talked about, you, you, most times really great quarterbacks in the history of the NFL had really great yeah. players around them too. Right. So Jerry Rice and John Taylor. Exactly right. Bill yeah, Walsh yeah, yeah right. Your Joe, Joe wasn't struggling over there. Right. Give me the headlines presented by Hyundai. You're Ooh. getting some sponsorship here. Look Chris. at me. Where'd yeah. you go? Yeah. Woo, Big smile. Baby. Time for Give Me the Headlines presented by Hyundai. Bears knock off the Panthers 23-16. U-G-L-Y. You have gotten an ally by you won. Right, but you won. You won. <laughs> you your own lyrics. There. Yeah, you That's like nice. that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. You know, I'm a singer, but yeah, I don't give a damn how ugly it is. Get used to it, everybody, if you're watching the Chicago Bears. It's going to be like this all year long. You a believer? I, I am a believer. I am. Not that I'm going to sit here and go, I think they're a Super Bowl. Playoff yet. team? They're a playoff team. They are. Because, you know, the, the defense is a Super Bowl defense. They're, they're legitimately capable of holding every team in the NFC to around 20 points and being that way. And Foles, you know, the thing I love about him, he's tough, throws in the pocket with people around him. But just like you heard him in his post-game press conference, he doesn't care what the game looks like. He just is going to win the football game. I think he realizes what he has in the defense. He's not going to take stupid chances or do anything like that. It's two weeks in a row we basically saw the same game from the Bears. I mean, the Tampa game didn't look pretty either. But, man, the two or three biggest drives of the game, 
Foles got him down there and, oh, I smashed in a five-yarder. Oh, we got a 10-yarder and right. did that. And, you know, I, again, I don't think it's ever going to be pretty on the offensive side for the Bears. But this is who they are as a team. Play through that defense, and Foles will make a few plays here and there. It's almost like the inverse example in the NFC of the Seahawks. We don't rip them too much for their defense really struggling and Russell bailing them out. Right. In Chicago. Right. It's a great example. It's just the other way around. It is. It's the other way around. And it's, it's really not going to change. It's not. We just want Seattle's defense to be serviceable, and that's kind of what we want from the Bears' offense. got a chance, yeah. Right, just be serviceable. Don't turn it over. If you guys can score 17 or 20, you'll be in every game there is all year long. I mean, you can see Mack is back. He's kicking ass. Their front seven special. They got good secondary guys. You know, they cause an early turnover with Teddy Bridgewater backed up, doing all those things. You know, they're playing – they're playing the right style for the way their roster and team is built right now, and that's where I'll give Matt Nagy credit. Giants beat the Washington football team 20-19. to 19. You'll always remember your first. Do you remember your first? <laughs> win? What, yeah, win. Where, where were you going with oh, that? Yeah. Don't yeah, be such yeah. a pervert. I'm just thinking about football here, of Paul. Of course, of course. I wasn't I trying remember. to lead you down some perverted road or something. Jeez. <laughs> Date, year, the whole thing. Come on. Yep. Is that where we're going? <laughs> so, yes, but you'll always remember your first win for Joe Judge. Yes, yeah. definitely. I'm so happy for him. You know, um, Hey, the, the big play of the game is, of course, free agent signing. Kyle Fackrell gets the strip sack fumble. Tay Crowder picks it up, runs for a touchdown, does that. You know, Washington Kyle do a good job mounting a drive, and then they get the big two-point stop, you know, uh, to win the football game. It's not pretty. It's never going to be pretty with the Giants either. They're not that talented. Right. But, you know, Daniel Jones, handful of, like, wow throws. They, you know, not, I don't want to say wow, but I go, damn, that's a good throw. Yep. You know, scrambled around, made a few plays that way. So they were the better team on the field yesterday. I really thought so. You know, Daniel Jones throws a stupid interception in the back of the end zone when they're down there close scoring one time. You know, so uh, I, I'm just glad. I'm glad for Joe Judge. I know how hard he's worked for it. They came very close last week with the Dallas Cowboys game. I'm glad they got off the schneid and got their first win. I'm glad you used the word schneid. Yeah. I have a, I I have a, a, a lifelong argument with my stepmother that if, if it's a word or not a word. I oh, say it is. I mean, yeah. In sports, it's a word. It is a word. Is schneid. it not a real word? Yeah. yeah. It, it, but it is a real word. Like, of course legitimately, it is. Yeah. Right? Okay. I was Get off say. the schneid with, with, with your yeah. first. Yeah. I mean, I and just grew up, you know, grew up in North Jersey. I don't know. I feel like we use that word a lot. I think it's real. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm standing by it. Okay. Eat that, Grandma Burmeister. <laughs> It's real. <laughs> There's a show. That's a show. There we did it. Yeah. We did it. All right. I hope I didn't blabber too much when we broke down no, no, the no. games. You know, it, I, I get so much to where I want to say so much damn stuff when we break down it's our two all, games. I, know. I can't reel it we in could myself sit out, sometimes. I could literally sit out here for five hours and talk about one game. I need to be managed myself at times. <laughs> There's a lot of managing from Pete to me, from me to you. Are you excited, though? Four. Monday night doubleheader? Two games. Two games. And we, we have the early start again. Yes. Which is gold at my house. I love it. Right? I love the 5 o'clock Dinner game. going on, game on. My homie, my homie versus my boy Blue. It's pretty good. I can't wait. I really can't. I think it's going to be fun. I'm, of course, going to take Kansas City to win a shootout. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think it's like a lock. You know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, Kansas City will be focused and they'll win this one for sure. Ah. And I want to be like, I don't know. You know, Kansas City's going to play some aggressive defenses, and they're going to give uh, Josh Allen and that receiving core a few chances too. Yeah. Right. So that'll, that'll be fun. And I'm, I'm excited for the, uh, the second game too with the, the 
Arizona Cardinals and the Dallas Cowboys. I almost said the Raiders. <laughs> but <laughs> I want to see Kyler. I want to yeah. see Kyler, Kyler Murray. We've been sitting here for a long time. I got to go pee. Yeah, go pee. Let's see go. you. Peace. We're All done. Right. Sorry. Old man's got to go. He's got to pee. You. He's got an old bladder. He's going. Blue 45 <laughs> said pee. Let's go. Peace out. See you Wednesday for What the Fuck Happened. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.